Okay, ready? Welcome to Cinema Q, where we chat all things film and faith through our lens as storytellers and as a creative married duo. I'm Ian McHugh, filmmaker, actor, and writer with over 10 years in the industry. And I'm India, photographer and actress. Together, we discuss the art of filmmaking and review what we're watching, all to discover what should go next in your Cinema Q. Let's do it. Let's go. Welcome back. Welcome back to Cinema Q. Cinema Q. I am Ian. I'm still India. And this is still Cinema Q. And we are here to talk this week about... Where the crowd ads sing. The book. The movie. Oh, uh, this is Cinema Q. So the just controversy. the controversy. Yeah, just the movie. I haven't read the book. There's a controversy? There's a controversy. We're going to get into all of it. Well, I'm excited to hear about that part because, as always, we didn't talk about our review. Correct. And we both have four points. And it's a secret. I guess there's a controversy that I'm going to learn about today. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Let's do it. Awesome. So we watched Where the Crawdads Sing a couple weeks ago. Yes. And had to kind of review it, watch over parts again, and really dive in. Um, I was surprised. I thought, based on the commercial, that it was like kind of a mystery rom-com. And it was, but I was surprised with what the journey... (laughs) It was exactly what I thought, and it was such a surprise. I was surprised with the journey that it took me on right up till the end, and I was like... Yeah. Like, so again, we want spoilers in this, so please watch it before you listen to yes, this episode. Yes. Um, to start off, though, should we give the people the answer from last episode of why we were concerned when we heard about this film? Yes. Okay, so, so Ian's a filmmaker and a writer, and when we saw the preview, um, it was so I reminiscent. I am <laughs> writing my first feature film that I want to actually make, right? I wanted to write within my means. I believe that we can make this film. I want to make it in the next couple of years. And I'm super, super excited about it. I've been working on the story, the character development, getting down locations, casting. Like, I am so excited for this. And I've been telling India the plot of it from beginning to end. It's good. And she comes up to me. She says, hey, there is a new show or, or movie on Netflix called Where the Crawdads Sing. And I'm nervous that it might be your exact storyline. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything from your storyline, but one of the main elements is there's a like teenage-aged woman who's really drawn to the water and lives... Kind of off on the outskirts of society. Yes, on the water, and that's a huge part of who she is. And Absolutely. instantly, where the crowd <laughs> sings, like the whole trailer is this girl who's like on a boat and she lives outside of town and she's like in the water like looking to buy a boat that's just like that so we were nervous i was like oh maybe this might be the same thing and i was like they beat us to it they beat us to it which is heartbreaking to think of but no worries and it is different how much relief when it is so different (laughs) very different it is so different even the characters that we just described that are similar um, so yeah, that is the part that uh, last episode we were like, uh-oh. Steer but clear. We are good to go. Good to go. Uh, the feature film is still being worked on. And hopefully that will be coming to you guys soon. Um, once we get official titles and all of that castings and things done, release dates, hopefully um, we'll yeah. be putting that on here. So keep a lookout for Q Media's first feature film. I'm so, excited. Diving into where the crawdads sing. Yes. Do you want to start? or? I, I don't know if I have a perfect starting line, okay. but if you want to just jump into something juicy, I'll go just for jump it. in because I don't know into if the these. Marsh. I'll jump right into the marsh. I don't know if these points should go in a certain order, 
Um, and I'm curious how much overlap we have because yep. there's a lot in this film, but also you can simplify it cool. kind of thing. So yeah, And also okay. this is the shortest film we've done yet, right? We've done literally a three and a half hour long movie. Yes. We've talked about an entire TV series. So this is us diving into like an hour and a half, two hour long film. So Correct. Uh, so go for it. Just jump in. So I'm actually going to tie my first two points together because they do okay. go hand in hand. I will buckle in and let you talk. We're just going to hop right in. So obviously, again, if you have not seen this, stop. We're going to spoil everything. So if you have seen it, here we go. The overall plot of the show is this woman who's abandoned early on, lives in the marsh and goes through this crazy journey of romance and then in the end is like kind of the whole thing is unfolding as she's being convicted of a possible murder and so we're kind of flashing back in time and present day while she's like in a jail cell and in a courtroom and so a big theme of this i wrote is moral law and i wrote how the protagonist is somehow above moral law because of her experience so at the very end it's revealed that kira actually her name is Ka uh, Kia. Kia, sorry. Kia, Kira. You're, the, you're on Outer Banks or something right now. I got Outer Banks on the brain. At the end, Kyra? Kia, like the I car. I can't even say. K-Y-A okay. is her, her name. And At the Kia, end, Kia, like the car. Did I write that down? Like Kia yeah, I did. I wrote Kia Chase the Tate. Okay. At the end, Kia is being convicted for murder and gets freed and the people agree she didn't do it. And then at the very, very end, last second... We realized she did do it. You're jumping to the end. I jumped straight in. So So yeah, she actually did commit the crime that she, uh, they said she was innocent of. Yes. And my jaw was on the ground and there was this whole moment. And I just kept thinking over and over, why was that so intriguing to me? What is happening? And it's moral law because the protagonist is somehow now above, of, above moral law because of her experience. And yet, if we had watched this film from Chase's perspective, which is the man that she murdered, who's abusive to her, he attempts to rape her, he's like not a good guy. Um, if we had watched it from his perspective, to multiple women, right? Like or if this was just a headline, like ex-girlfriend kills boyfriend, we would have the whole narrative in our head and be like, "Ugh, that's obviously wrong." Terrible. And that's what everyone in the town assumed of her. Yes. And she was lucky to even find a lawyer that went to bat for her. True. So I just thought that was so interesting because what I appreciate is that it brought us into this woman's perspective. It brought us empathy for her. It brought us like heartbreak. You were right with her, like wanting her to succeed, tired of men abusing her. And yet at the end of the day, we know as Christians and humans, we're not supposed to play God. We're not supposed to be the authors of life. That's on God to do. Obviously, murder is wrong. And at the same time, your heart is like, this woman has been abused by this man. I don't want him to hurt her. So she kind of sets up this elaborate, somewhat murder, somewhat accident so that he doesn't live and she doesn't have to have the threat of him hurting her anymore. And you're happy because she's free, but at the same time, you're like, that's not okay. That's not the way you should go about it. Yes, yeah. so I just wrote that it's clear, like scripture and standards show that, wait, what did I say? Oh, as Christians, there's also God's law, scriptures and standards that should not contradict the law of the land, but that we lean into to help us navigate everyday life. In this case, it needs to be clear that regardless of how justifiable it feels to watch an abandoned, hurt victim or survivor, whatever PC term you want to use, gain freedom from her oppressor, the means by which she obtains that freedom, in this case murder, should never be praised. 
I think that's the controversy around this is people mm-hmm. are like, man, what an amazing gripping story. I'm cheering for the and protagonist. Yeah. Oh wait, she's a murderer. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of that like gray space, which is also why I think it's such a good storyline. It brings you into that discussion. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I'm excited to get to the end scores uh, because I actually ranked this much differently than I thought I was going to. <laughs> and I don't know if that's just because I'm a couple weeks removed and then just watch some recaps and I'm thinking on it more, but I'm excited to hear what you think because, okay, okay. because yeah, that's, that's really, that's a really good point about how I, I think I was pleased yet displeased that it didn't tie everything up in a pretty bow yeah. as a lot of American cinema does. And it was a little more French in the fact of like you were rooting for this person and you wanted them to be innocent and you're like, yes, not guilty. I knew she was innocent. Oh, she still did it. And then you start to yes. justify it. It's like, oh, did yes. was that okay? No, it wasn't, but why wasn't it? But she still got to live a full happy life and she never did it again. But that still doesn't make the first one right. okay. And then it puts you into this moral dilemma yeah. of, man, she was good, but she wasn't. Yeah. And that is all of us. Yeah. And just to clarify, that was my like main one in Points one and two, but my second point of that was just to say that male abuse, female vindication kind of thing. We live in a broken world. We see this all the time, unfortunately, where women get sexually abused, emotionally abused, hurt by men all the time. And you want to believe the woman and you want to stand with her. And oftentimes society doesn't. But at the same time, like men and women are both susceptible to sin. They're both able to mess up and to do things that are just plain out wrong. And I'm tired of seeing like men hurt women and then just get a slap on the wrist and like go about their way. And so this was an interesting kind of social experiment to see this rich man, a part of this perfect family who's lying to people about who he's with and kind of just shoves this girl off even though he's engaged to her and lies about his interest in her and then tries to rape her. It's so interesting to like watch that and want nothing more than that man to like just pay the consequences for his actions and have this woman go free and never have to worry about it again. And, and that is what happens. But again, you can't just say one one wrong thing with another wrong thing. You mm-hmm. can't punish. Fire with fire sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to note that like as a social commentary, I think as an author, I can understand writing out these fictional characters to get this frustration of like, men have hurt women time and time again, it's time for them to like pay. I understand that. And again, it's like narrative, it's fictional. It's okay to like release those feelings. But I just think it's also true that like women can mess up as well. Women can do the wrong thing as well. Women can be, you know, susceptible to sin too. So there's just like double-sided coin to like discuss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So actually one of my points goes off of that and I'm going to dive into that if that's okay. Yeah. Is that something that I did appreciate about this film is that good characters, the heroes of the film had flaws. Mm. And mm-hmm. I I think we all attach to the hero when they are able to mess up and able to see that it's maybe not okay. And then able to um, root for them for sanctification and to become better and I liked that about this film that we see some of her past that she wasn't always good in mm-hmm. her decisions. I mean, especially at the end when it reveals that she actually killed him, I was like, man, this person, like, even my closest friends and my closest family, like you and me, like, we all have flaws. Yeah. And it's tough for me when I watch something that the hero has a flaw that's not really a flaw. Mm. And they try to make them seem relatable because they give them a flaw of kryptonite. 
right? And it's like, oh, he has this one stone and it's his only weakness. I'm like, I just can't relate to Superman. Uh, and I don't Kent. care as much because, yeah. I mean, he's not human. He's an alien, he's a superhero, <laughs> all these things. But I, I appreciate it in this film that um, my, my other point to this is that what Chase was doing to her was wrong. Right. Was just wrong. He was a bad man. But also what she did, as you said, was wrong. The way in which she got her retaliation in murder. And so my point to that is that I think we need to be okay in society understanding that both sides can be right and both sides can be wrong. Yeah. Like both sides can be good and both sides can be bad. Like what Chase did was bad and what she did was bad. We try to just, uh, what's the word? It starts with the P, polarized. Mm -hmm. And be like, this is entirely good. I'm I'm rooting for the hero because they are the good guy. You know what? Actually, she killed someone. She's, she's, you know, it's hard because she's defending herself in a way. Yeah. And we don't know exactly what happened on that tower. And was it a life or death situation where she did defend herself? And was it also... We shouldn't root for the outcome of death. That she set it up so that he would fall through but like it's still i don't know yeah. but there is a, a devil's advocate thing of like he if he fell it's an accident mm-hmm. but if she pushed him it's murder you know yeah. there's that fine line about we really don't and, know exactly what it was and even tom her lawyer was like if you just say that you guys got in an argument and he accidentally fell it's 10 years i can get you out in six and yes. but if you admit to it then it's life and it's like, well, still the same outcome happened. Yeah. It's just on how it did. Yeah. But I, I think we try to polarize like good and evil. It comes into the political system. It comes into religiosity. It comes into social structures yep. of this person is just all entirely good. I think the moment we think that it's dangerous and I want characters in my films to be longing for good yet still mess up because that makes them relatable because that's me, right? I was going to say, who do you know that is 100% good or 100% Jesus. evil? Uh, there you go and are they also 100 human no not at this moment no, jesus when jesus was, was. Yeah, 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 but, <laughs> but in this moment there's literally yeah. no one on this planet who's 100 percent good 100 evil so it, we need the nuance gray space Absolutely. we need the grace for people in policy and leadership in the church outside of, that should like invite you to sit down with someone that you don't agree with 100 because guess what you probably agree with a lot more with them than you think because yeah we tend to write an entire narrative and completely, you know, uh, paint someone as something based off of one trait or one character, one opinion or one way that they do things or one yeah. action that they took in their past. And I don't want to be completely defined for the rest of my life on what I did in high school because I was a high schooler. I want to be known as a man who grows and it grows in respect and learning and that people, you know, uh, understand me as an honorable man worthy of all those things right and i grow in all of that and so i think that's just an invite for people to understand like don't hold your heroes too high because they will fail you on this side of eternity and also don't write off quote unquote bad guys uh too quickly like hold them accountable for their actions but i think it's important to have grace yeah i I hate cancel culture i think there's so much nuance um so i think there's a space where yeah people need to be held accountable but um do so with grace Speaking of accountability, my third point is from the film Protection. It was kind of a theme that I felt in there. Um, it starts with her dad. He fails to protect his family, and he's an abusive father. And early on, we see 
mom has left, siblings have left, Kia, I almost said Kira again, <laughs> Kia stays behind. If she says Kira, y'all know who she's talking about. Yeah. Kia stays behind in the hopes that her mom returns and she feels protected again by the mom because she's not getting protected by her dad. Eventually, dad leaves, and then who does she have to protect her? The marsh. So she's now protected by this land. She feels enclosed and safe. It's her bubble. And the people who live in the nearby city are the ones that she's trying to stay away from because they don't protect her except for the shop owners. Mm -hmm. The Madisons. The Madisons. Thank you. So Jimmy... Uh, and Mabel. Yes, the Madisons come in and protect her and try to help her out with school and get her clothes and some food. She finds out that's not really for her. the school system judges her and pushes her off. Yes, and and there's there's literally no one that's there, no physical person, so she draws into the marsh, she Mm -hmm. draws into nature. That's her protection. And I was trying to think... And that's why her brother says that right before her last brother leaves. He's like, hey, whenever you find yourself in trouble, go out where the crawdads sing. That's why they titled it. That it's like, go out into your safe space. Escape into a place that will protect you. But. And Well, I was thinking when we were watching it, I was like, man, it's so frustrating because I'm sure we all know women who get into these relationships with abusive men. And they might not know it at first, but somehow they're in a toxic relationship where all of a sudden their decisions aren't really like them anymore and their actions aren't really like them. And they're kind of being somewhat manipulated or controlled by a dominant, like abusive male. And I was thinking when we were watching the film, I was like, man, this is heartbreaking because I'm watching her struggle through it, but also because there's people in real life that get into these scenarios and why do they do it? And I was thinking about she, her dad wasn't protective, so she looked for protection elsewhere. So when Tate comes along, she's like excited and he's a good boyfriend, he's protective for her. He doesn't push her to do anything she doesn't wanna do, but he fails to protect her heart in the emotional bubble when he doesn't show up for her and it kind of breaks her heart. So then now it's another man who's, a, who's left her you know, there's more than one way to like abuse someone, and in that case, it was emotionally, and she's sad, and so she clings on to Chase, who isn't a great guy, isn't her typical pick, but for whatever reason, maybe it's his status or his sudden interest in her, she wants that protection again, and then she's in this bad scenario. So it's just kind of that cycle of like always seeking protection, ending up taking care of herself pretty well, and in the end, she's like, I actually don't need you at all. I'm going to go figure this out. And then when she welcomes Tate back into her life, it's not because she needs protection anymore, but it's because she wants a companion in She's life. She's found herself now. Now she wants to do life. Yeah. And even because, I was, uh, the lawyer too mm-hmm. also protects her when no one else yeah. wants to take her and case. And the Madisons mm-hmm. feed her when she's yep. malnourished. And, and yeah, and I think she learned how to cope with different abuses, right? Like yes. with her father, she's like, all right, I learned that the way, I know everyone else left, all my siblings left, my mom left, but the way that I cope is don't make him mad. Yeah. Just like, you know, do what it takes to keep the peace. And she survival becomes a instinct. peace keeper, not a peacemaker, Ooh. right? And her survival instinct presses her into a space where, all right, I can't be myself unless I'm in the marsh alone, mm. but I can exist in this space, but just not, I can exist, but I can't live, right? Yeah. And then she's with Tate and she tries to live, emotionally gets destroyed and cuts off again and then presses into a space that isn't healthy but gives her that attention and then is hurt further and then retaliates with murder and then like it's, it's just crazy how quickly that can go from yep. like just don't make him mad to don't poke the bear <laughs> yeah don't poke the bear to then murder yeah like, it's just wild because she constantly it, had to protect herself in some way yeah. whether it was putting up a shield or pulling out a weapon it makes right? me think that all of that anger from her childhood was pent up inside of her building Mm -hmm. she was never 
like this first time offender, right? Like she was right. never mean or abusive or, or never attempted murder on anyone. But I think it was all of this like underlying until one day she just busted open yeah. and was like, no, like I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I'm not going to be the subject of someone hurting me again kind yeah. of thing. And then sets up this elaborate too mm -hmm. good to be true way that the jury's like, there's no way she did it. And she did. And, and I was like so thankful when the jury was like not guilty. I was like, oh, good. This innocent <laughs> girl that was about to get blamed for all this stuff. And then that's why this movie was great because then at the end it was like, oh, this whole time I was rooting for her and she's not as good as I thought. So dun, 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 that's uh, a cool little moral dilemma that it creates in yeah. your heart while you're watching this film. So what was another point that you had? Yeah. Um, so on my list, uh, I talked about that one already. So this one was cool with the knapsack that her father gives her, right? Mm -hmm. When the father starts to like be a little less abusive, when, friendship. when they start to, yeah, he starts to calm down. They actually, the dad tries to kind of, you know, mend some things and gives her his like army knapsack. And I've mm -hmm. like, she gets so excited and runs off while he was trying to tell her the story of it, you know, got it from the army or whatever it was. And I just thought that it was cool that from one of her biggest places of pain from her father, mm -hmm. that she lost her mother through it, she lost all of her siblings, she had to not be who she was underneath the umbrella that her father created at this, you know, house out in the woods, that from this knapsack, um, he said that she could collect seashells and feathers with it, mm. right? And that moment when she started collecting feathers, that was her and Tate's thing. And she started collecting seashells. And this this one quote unquote good thing that came out of her relationship with her father, this knapsack, became her escape because wow. the seashells and the feathers and all of that started becoming her drawings, started becoming her books, mm. which then allowed her to make money, to keep the house, to and this one gift, that's all it took from her father for her to start redeeming everything around her because she was able to collect, then she was able to study, and she studied, then she drew, and then she wrote, and then she created these books that then got published, which was her income that allowed her to live because of one gift. And I think that Dang. that is a beautiful space where I think so often, you know, we quickly are like, nothing good can come from this. Yeah. Nothing good can come from this. But in reality, the butterfly effect, right? Um, one ripple trickles into many, many across the world sort of thing is like one gift, one gesture from her abusive father saved her quote unquote in the future gave her her one safe space protected the marsh for her because she was able to keep the house because she was yeah. able to sell her books from the seashells and feathers Dang. that she collected yeah to have a relationship with tate where they set feathers for each other to have a form of communication with the outside world like one thing launched life for this girl and i think that we have the power as humans to kind of do that for other people around us and we just don't take advantage of that it's one dinner it's one gift it's one conversation it's one opening of the door to allow them back in to you know, sleep in your guest bedroom and have that hard conversation with your dad, with your sibling, with your ex, whatever it is. Um, I think so much life can come from one gesture like that. And I think we need to start allowing those spaces um, to happen more often. And then when they don't happen right away to have a healthy boundary of like, when is enough enough? And when yeah. do I continue to offer uh, this space of, you know, grace for redemptive qualities like right. life to begin? Dang. So I thought that was a pretty Yeah, cool I think we just finished at our church a sermon series on encouragement. And I think that goes right into <laughs> it. Like there's life and death in the power of the tongue kind of thing. Yeah. Like words are really powerful. And even though, again, 
this man we would say is an abusive bad father like it's pretty clear that he's not a good guy humans are capable of a range of things so even though he's bad he also had a little light in him or a little ability to encourage an early gift in her that then like you said changed the rest of her life so maybe if i don't know anyone's listening or watching and like if you think that you've you are unredeemable or there's nothing good you can do and you've kind of embraced wherever you are is like well no going back now like who knows like Mm -hmm. the words that you share to someone else could totally change their whole story yeah you might be like asking and longing for a little life raft to be thrown to you but you might have one thing that could be that for someone else start there dang I didn't think we'd be talking this much about her dad because I was pretty much like, no, he's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but that's I, true. I think that's the very space that defined a lot of who she was in the future. So good. So. Okay. I have one more point. Where are you at? I have like five, even though we only started with four. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. I have one, um, one and a half, I'd say. Okay. So... Can I touch on mine? You said you have one more? Yeah, go ahead. Right. And I was just wanted to talk about the Madisons real quickly. About I loved their characters. Yeah. That they were also a safe space. They were sweet. Like the Marsh, like Yeah. Right. The Marsh and them were kind of parallel to me of they brought her and they accepted her. They met her where she was at. And I just think we need more people like that. Like mm-hmm. all of us were rooting for them. Mm-hmm. And so when Jimmy died, James died at the end, you know, uh, that was sad, even though it was just a quick drive by on that scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just I love characters like that in films because I think it's rare to just have the the couple that is kind and like they didn't judge them when they walked in looking like they did and they knew that the father was a abusive alcoholic and all yeah. these things and yet still they met them with grace too i just love those characters i yeah. just wanted to that was my little half point and another thing culturally the context of it's in the 1960s yeah. it's in north carolina and the madisons are an, an african-american American yeah. couple and so just thinking contextually how that wasn't too long after you know, integration and things like that were happening. So it's just unique to have this character, this strong married couple of color who's protecting this like younger white girl. So when you think about it in context, it's like an outcast and an outcast kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that they were willing to stick together and like protect her regardless of ethnicity. Like, you know, they saw the same mm. human need of like, you need something, we need something, we got each other's back kind yeah. of thing. And what's cool is it didn't, them reaching out and caring for the least of these in Kia yeah. didn't from like, the social people around them respected them. But then as soon as they started to care for this, they weren't, everyone was like, oh, well you like my sh- like Marsh girl. So you're now off my list, right. right? Like they went against the grain with their status that they had in the community of being good kind people and leaned into mm-hmm. the least of these in Kia and people didn't cancel them for that. They didn't write them off for that. They still respected them. And so yeah. I don't think we should be afraid to do the right thing um, based off of what other people think. So, mood, total yeah. mood. Um, so you gave a little bug in my ear before we got here that your final point is like a big point. So it's, should I do my last point and then you go off? I can do whatever. <laughs> okay. okay. I can do, I can dive in. Okay. It just goes off of what we were talking about. So why don't you go if it's like more of a related? I'll go one more. I'll go on my last one and then I want to okay. hear what you got. Honey's going to go. And so me. talking about going to bat for people, this is my last one with like Tom, mm. the lawyer. So he, Kia talks about how at a young age, he was the only one in the town as she was like running away from school and being hated on by everyone in the actual town because they were outcasts. They're on the, you know, outer banks of uh, like out in the marsh. They were weird. They were different. Um, that we 
that Tom even then was nice to her. And now she's in a prison cell, in a jail cell, and he still goes to bat for her. And he shows up and he's, I think he was retired, wasn't he? He came out of retirement for her case. And Good old Tom. Good old Tom. And so I was just, I wrote here that um, even when we don't deserve it, we all want somebody to go to bat for us. Like there's so often times that I'm like, man, I wish somebody would just like fight for my character. And that's why I'm so thankful for you because so often when I don't feel like my voice carries weight in a conversation, you have only ever spoken life about who I am. I'm not perfect, but you've done such a good job of being someone that will fight for me, right? And Jesus fights for me. And I just loved Tom's character because he's like, I don't yeah. really know you, but I need to know you so yeah. I can fight for you. Yeah. Um, but even before he knew her, he still vouched for her and fought for her and protected her. Yeah. And so I just really like Tom's character as well in saying that that related to our gospel story and following Jesus is that like, Jesus fought for us. Um, and Jesus even knows us so perfectly and intimately and deeply, all of our flaws and everything, and still fought and died and rose again for us. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was really cool to me. I think we need more people that will fight for us in our lives. I think we need more people that will go to bat for us. Um, so I encourage you to surround yourself with people that, um, yeah, friends, family, loved ones that will go to bat for who you are, your character, because uh, that is, yeah. we're not always going to be able to do that for ourselves. We're, we might find ourselves in a place where, you know, people are talking about us and we're not around to defend ourselves. And I just pray that I've, I know enough people that they will vouch for me, um, yeah. even in times that I can't do that for myself. So I was super thankful for Tom's character. Because that's an interesting point too, that she was a woman of character mm -hmm. and it was just that her actions were to fight off the predator. There's a quote, I wrote it down. There's a quote that comes up at the end of the mm. movie that's in her journal when She says, Tate, sometimes the prey needs to be, take out the predator in order to survive. Yes, that the, one? the quote is, sometimes for the prey to survive, the predator must die. And that was when Tate, at an older age, discovers that she really had killed Chase. Um, and you found the bloodstained necklace. You yes. Found the necklace. Oh. And it was so, such a good ending. But I think what you were saying is true. Like, like Tom goes to bat for this woman of character, even though her actions didn't line up. And he didn't know that. But she's still a woman of character. It's just she was thinking of herself as prey because she'd been treated that way over yeah. and over and over. And it was finally, like, yeah. her moment to, like, become mm, so now safe. So this man of status was able to use his position to protect those that didn't have as much authority and power in the world. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Cool. All so right. You have a juicy point. A I juicy hear. point. So India tried to break our code on this. Uh, I wanted to let you know. Where, where we don't know each other's points before coming on to this. And she's like, hey, can I just tell you this one? It's like, it's no. juicy. Okay. I know. So I don't know what's about to happen. So tell me, what's up? So the author, her name is Delia Owens. And so this was a book first where the crawdad's saying, I have not read it. But there's some, you know, when you watch a movie that's from a novel, people are like, oh, it wasn't the same, or oh, it's terrible, or oh, it's amazing. And so when we finished the film, I went to see what other people had said, because I like to kind of get the vibe. Sitting back and enjoying this one. Here we go. People who had read the book, their main complaint was that it didn't do it justice, and the book is more gritty, Marsh Girl is attached to nature, and like there's this big conspiracy that unfolds, and then at the end we figure out what actually happened. The movie is much more like a Nicholas Sparks romance. <laughs> it is mystery, it does hop time, but it's much more light and airy in the sense of there's longer, let's have sex on the beach, or like, let's 
make out with the wind. Feathers and yeah, and, and sunsets. So and there's a whimsy books. to the film that I appreciated because I like romance stuff, but also I guess it took it away from the actual book. But what's interesting is that the author's stepson has a potential like tie to murder. Like he is being accused of a murder that happened. Yes. And For so those of you that can't see because you're listening, my eyes just got so big. So this is more crazy than the actual ending of the In movie. my mind, she wrote from experience of a good protagonist who potentially killed someone and she's trying to understand potentially her step her stepson and justify her stepson's involvement in a murder. So did she So here's Did that happen before she wrote the book? Yes, decades before. So what? here's here's directly from an article cuz I wanted to like get it right. So it says right. Who else in the comments right now is just so invested in this? Listen. The tea. So it says before becoming an author, Delia Owens and her then husband Mark worked as conser- conservationists <laughs> in Africa. Delia's stepson and Mark's son Chris also lived with them in Africa. Their work focused on saving elephants from poachers in Zambia. And at the time, they were part of an ABC special documentary following their conservation efforts. The documentary... Good good, uh, good intentions. Yes, good intentions. The documentary titled Deadly Games, The Mark and Delia Owens Story, captured Mark on camera instructing scouts to shoot poachers who came into the national park. This could be part of where the crawdads sing as it comes to a true story. As the conservation efforts turned a documentary into a true crime investigation when an alleged poacher was shot and killed after entering a campsite. After the episode aired, the Zambian government opened a still unresolved homicide investigation. Subsequent investigations found their son Chris had allegedly fired two of the three shots at the presumed poacher, but the entire family denied involvement in the shooting. The other interesting thing was that... Goodness, I am okay. invested. The other this invest- is wild. Yes, I know. This is real life. Like that movie, I was like, oh, that's Hollywood. But this is no. okay. Delia, the author, claimed that Chris wasn't actually in the campsite at the time, but was mistaken for a cameraman of the same name, Chris Everson. Everson claims Mark had flown both himself, Chris Owens, the stepson, and another scout to the site, and Mark left them. Everson claims that when the poacher arrived, Chris Owens fired a shot, so the stepson. Everson caught on camera the scout firing a second shot, then Owens firing a third. Footage disappeared from the tent one day, then later reappeared. So basically, the real-life author's stepson maybe killed someone to save these elephants. And the controversy is it hasn't closed yet because one... They were trying this like conservation efforts thing. So they had said, if anyone comes in here and tries to disrupt this ecosystem, you will be shot and killed. So it could have been one of those like, again, moral law, like that was the rule. And if someone broke the rule, they kind of knew the consequence. But were, were they as Americans in another country allowed to say that, allowed to do that? But then also the missing footage, the other guy named Chris. There's are so you, much. <laughs> are you allowed to cover up something because Chris is a good man and he wouldn't do, he was fighting for good causes. And it's like, we justify good intents. We, we justify doing bad things yeah. in the name of good intention. And sometimes that is just too much. And you not just okay. can't take life 
it's like it's like God's biggest gift is human life. Yeah. We can't just take it as if we had the control. But I will say that again, what was the context? Was that guy actually a poacher or was it just a guy and they got in a quarrel and he shot him? You know, there's so much missing that we don't know. So I think that's or why it's there, not was a closed he already dead thing. And they stumbled across and got pinned. Who knows? Because they wanted to get these documentary filmmakers out of it. But I think it's so interesting oh, how... I did not see this coming. Yes. This is... And that was a couple decades ago. And then her book comes out not too long ago. I think 2018. And then the film comes out in 20... It came in 2022? 2021? Uh, where the Yeah, I think it was 2022. But um, isn't it interesting that as like an author, like she wrote from yeah. potential experience or maybe even having these juries and cases and lawyers involved and thinking how on earth did this all happen and... Out of that kind of heartbreaking narrative, she poured it out on paper and made it fictional to enough of a degree that made people interested in it. But th does that admit that she knows her son is at fault, but they covered it up so he can live a good life to an old age? And or she wanted a good plot line? Like, we yeah. don't know. We don't know, which yeah. is why it's not a lot of like, buzz. I draw from, yeah. you know, I've been working on a series for a long time called Knowing Show Hollow, and I've written a lot of it from personal interactions with people, stories of things that actually happen to people and happen to me. 100%. And so I think that's why this movie has been so successful, uh, where the crawdads sing, because she's drawing from like real life. What? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So if I anyone, by the time this episode airs, if there's any updates, let me know in the comments, because I am like invested at this point. I'm mm -hmm. like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. That's but, wild. But I, I think, yeah, to, to bring it back into that, it's just what makes it such a good film is because yeah. this could happen. It could and it does i would argue it does yeah and people you know? relate to it because they're like they know someone that maybe went through it they know they lost someone they like chase the guy who was killed people are like he was the best quarterback this town's ever seen he was a good guy he was he was great he was good looking he had a fiance he had all this but in reality he was a rapist a bad man got in fights a cheater, things, a, cheater like a liar like he was cheating like on his fiance did. yeah and it doesn't justify death but it's just like yeah we have to be so careful because narratives can be written in so many different ways that it is important to sit and hear stories and listen to people and get get everyone's point of view and kind of mix it all in because this world's hard. This world's nuanced. This world has a lot of gray space. Yeah. And I think this film did a pretty decent job exploring that. 100%. And I think, again, it's, it's a reminder that if someone's like, oh, I don't know, I'm on the fence about watching this, this is one of those that obviously you don't take it as like literal this is how I should live my life or, right. oh, this film means that we should free all the people who are accused of murder. I think the idea is just to explore so that find nuance. find all the people and love them. I think it's to explore the point of views, to explore people's backgrounds and to have more grace for one another and fight for justice overall. So I agree. All right. Agree. I'm ready for scoring. I am too. Let's do rapid fire because I'm ready for dinner too. Oh, that is true. But I actually might have to explain a little bit because my scores kind of surprised me. Okay. So. All right. What do we think? Uh, Acting. What was your score? I give a 7.7. .7. I said 8. Okay. I think that one's uh, pretty straightforward. I think yeah. the acting was good. I think it gave space, especially for Kia's character, to, to enter in. I think Tate's had some emotional com complexity to it. Um, I think the Madisons were pretty one-dimensional, but I was fine with that. I think Chase was decently one-dimensional, and they made him difficult, more complicated based off of what he did not who like who he was sort mm -hmm. of thing like he had it two uh fiancés and he had you know he was just um so i think the acting was good uh but again one of those movies that like the lawyers 
have to be lawyers. Yeah. The not a lot of wiggle town room. people have to be talents people. The bad abusive father has to be the bad abusive father. Right. And and so I think there was only space really for Tate and Kia to enter into a space of a complex character. I agree. And I think Kia, um, Daisy Edgar Jones is the actress. Um, and she's kind of having her moment right now. This is like her third or fourth pretty big thing she's been Hopefully in. Hopefully she has many moments. Within she's like three incredible. years. Like she yeah. just kind of popped out of nowhere. Great. And I think she did a really good job, especially of like her physical appearance is one of those like kind of girl next door looks. Like she's beautiful in a way that's not like a bombshell kind of beauty. And I think it does a good job of like, there's moments where she looks like an innocent young child to me in her like countenance. And then she turns into this like, she could kill you kind of person. <laughs> well, Chase, Chase found that one. Out. I mean, the acting in that in that scene, like where she almost gets raped, it was like really powerful. Yeah, and those one, are always hard to watch. Oh but, my gosh. But I appreciate that the film went into a space like that to be able to represent something honestly that happens daily yeah but i think it was that scene where i was like oh she's not just like an innocent actress like she just like flipped the switch really yeah. aggressively and it was yeah. really good so i said See, we can't do rapid fire because there's a lot to unpack here. there is there's always a lot to unpack and we had some charcuterie before we jumped on this episode charcuterie so, yeah all right cinematography 5.9 ah! i said 7.5 okay i i know some amazing 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 films yeah and so I want to just rate it honestly. Like, again, just like I said last episode, that the camera was invisible, but yeah. it also didn't try to really invite you into the space. Like, there's a difference, in my opinion, between, like, just capturing it and it being invisible because the camera's just sitting on a tripod over on the side and mm -hmm. seeing the courtroom and seeing the house and seeing the boat and making the camera part of the environment so you're almost there experiencing right. it and watching it. I felt like I was watching a movie, but I wasn't in the world. There you go, and that's so a good way to say it. I didn't love the cinematography because there were a couple times that they'd like go through the moss and the trees and stuff and it felt like I was in a marsh. Um, but other than that, it didn't like invite me into the space as much as I think the cinematography could have. It was a lot of medium shots. Yeah. And then a medium shot, and then a medium shot, and then a wide of the marsh, and then a medium shot. So I think it could have invited me in a little more. I agree. I I probably should have changed mine a little lower, but because I was thinking. I convinced too, you. <laughs> well, I was thinking too. There was a couple moments where the coloring seemed entirely different. It was dull too at times, and not to further story. It either. kind of. I don't know. On occasion, some of the opening shots were like stunning, and it's the marsh, and it's a little gloomy. And there's this mystery in the air and there's a dead body and it's like what's happening and there's other times when they're running through the marsh in the evening and everything's really mysterious it's like really beautiful and then there was moments where it was very saturated on, it was please. a medium shot it was like pocahontas level yeah, like what? mother willow the trees are going around and i think it was to help us try to feel like she was feeling like this whirlwind of emotion yeah, compared to it it. yeah it it kind of was a hit and a miss and it kind of made me forget what movie we were watching at different times like if you would yeah, screen That's grab right. that it was like oh nicholas sparks we're watching the notebook but if you screenshotted at a different mo mo uh, yeah, moment, then we're on like Quentin Tarantino and like <laughs> Inglorious Bastards moment, or something. If you screenshotted at a different moment, it was like out of range. You know, yeah. so consistency Absolutely. is important in films so, like this. Um, but I want to be honest because uh, the cinematography was good, but that it was just good. It, it did the story. Yeah. But uh, I, I think there are films that are better. So I ranked that at 5.9. 
Okay, storyline. Okay. I said 8.9. Okay, I said 7. Yeah, this is why yeah. we do this because we yeah. all have our different takes on it. I personally, I liked the pace. I like when we jump through time and I can follow because if we're jumping through yes. time and I'm getting lost, that's hard to do. I thought it was good in that sense. I like the romance, I like the mystery. I loved how that all happened and I loved how it kept me guessing until the end. There were moments where we were like, Tate totally killed him. Okay, well maybe he just fell. The okay, hat. well maybe it was the Mad the Madisons pushed him off. You know, yeah, there was all kinds of moments where we were just thinking it was someone else. The brother, right? Yes. The, they came back from the military. And it or... kept us guessing. So for that, I said a little higher. Yeah. Um, I said seven because I remember after I finished watching the film, I was like, wow, that was so good. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this film. I will just tell you that right now for overall, like, I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't give it a three or a four. Like, it was, it's solid. Um, but it was like a courtroom case. More than I thought it would be, truthfully. Yeah, and I just, I love like grunge film kind of fringe kind of like we're talking winner's bone and just things that are a little more dirty and not tied up in like this bow basically if it's desaturated and and, and has a murder ian's into it not desaturated you know okay but point <laughs> the proven, palettes you point like proven. are all like um, neutrals and black. but i think the story was like Again, I think it was just like Chase's character was predictable, the dad was predictable, the mom leaving and getting sick and never being able to come back but wanted to fight for her kids was predictable. Like the Madisons were consistent, so they would always fight for her. Tom was just this good guy, so of course he was going to fight for her. The only mystery was in like, did she do it or not? Yeah. Okay. Which is fine. Like, I, I don't mind movies that kind of just lean into one point and try to prove it and keep you hooked for the whole time. But it didn't really give, besides like her book getting published and her learning how to read and write and all of that from Tate. In their relationship there weren't a lot of times that i saw growth hmm. in characters except for kia right can i through, counter please and say that the jury was on the fence because she was an outcast and then they chose to say she was innocent for sure for sure but with the jury we just sat there and like he gave his closing statement and all of them were like oh yeah okay and and so story was good and honestly the ending threw me because i thought she was just innocent it was going to I thought that they were going to reveal who killed Chase, mm -hmm. and I didn't think it was going to be her. So that got me, and I was thankful for that. And that's why I rated it decently high. Like, she still went on to live a good life, and the husband found out afterwards, but then got rid of the necklace to protect yeah. the, you know, her legacy, her legacy of who she was. Um, but I only gave it a, you know, seven because I loved it. I thought it was good, um, but I, I just don't feel like I had enough. What is that word of like money money in the pot, right? So like in poker, like I've oh, investment yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like I didn't have enough investment in the characters to care. To fully care. Because if she went to jail for it, I was like, man, but she was like innocent probably. Yeah. And, probably. And so I just I wanted to care a little more about Tate. I wanted to care a little more about the mom or the That's dad. Fair. And I think it could have just leaned in a little more, but I, I think it was solid. I would be curious if I read the book in the future to see if that does happen. Because yeah. again, with novels, you have time and it's, it can be hard when a producer takes it straight out of the book and cuts out all the things that made you really 75 love 75% character. of the characters have to just be a character yeah. that is, is cliche. Yeah. Because um, then you only have time to lean in uh, to a few of them. So I loved it, but only a seven. I said 8.9 for story. 
Yeah. I scored it a little higher just because of the that's, overall that's plot. Totally and again, giving grace for, I, I bet the novel's more interesting. And also, if you just love the story, babe, you can just like... like we have different good. scales. Yeah. <laughs> okay, kid-friendly. She just hasn't seen Changeling yet with Angelina Jolie. Yet, and then I think that'll... Uh, okay. That'll redo her scale. Okay. <laughs> All right, kid-friendly, I said 5.5. It's not really for kids at all, but... I had a five-something. I changed it to a 6.1. Yeah, it's not like it's... It's not like it's gory or horrific it's for not kids. made for kids. But when there's, like, rape and sexual assault, I just don't yeah. think that's something for kids. And so even if... <laughs> and why I rated mine so low as well is because even if you skip those scenes, kids just won't care about this. Yeah. This is for adults to, like... Like, I, I should have probably put mine in the fives. I think I originally did, like, five, six or something. What did you say yours was? Five, five. Five, five. Um, I think my original was five, six. Yeah, because, sure, even if it is kid-friendly, kids just won't care about it. Because also, like, what are you going to do if your nine-year-old watches that with you at the end? Be like, so, let's discuss yeah. moral law. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of so, too much. I think this one is kid-friendly in the sense of you can watch it in your living room while your kids are running around. There you go. And if they catch a glance of the TV, they're not going to be scarred for life. Yeah. But... With to discussion. sit down and watch, probably not. They just won't care. And there's just elements in it that are way too uh, adult. Yeah, themed, I agree. So. Depth, I said seven. You probably have a lower score. Seven, six. Oh, wow. And I think I rated mine so high because the book exists. Okay. Because this type of story and why I wanted to watch it and why I was concerned about it being so close to my feature film that I'm writing mm -hmm. is because a space like this with a character like that has so much opportunity for depth. Yeah. She's on the outskirts. She is in this place that is raw and real in the marsh and outcasted. And I'm, I think the story had some depth overall. Like, and I think the possibility for more depth and world building in that space excited me a lot so i gave it a a good depth okay um it, it dove into the moral dilemma that humans have and i appreciated that so yeah i actually think right. besides acting that was my highest score was depth um what about you why i don't think i have any like huge thoughts i guess everything i kind of shared between the moral law and the you know we're rooting for a protagonist you're empathizing with her you want her to succeed and really then you cool. find out she's done a horrific action just all of that and unfolding and what that does to your brain when the movie's off i think that's why i rated it kind of higher because it just gives you so much to think about and i love part of what we'll talk about when we you share low didn't you well mm -hmm. seven. Oh, seven. Okay. yeah i think you thought i was going lower okay part of what we've done when we've created films and short films together mm -hmm. is we want to bring up a plot or only answer some of the questions so that when the film is done there's conversation to have i think the buzz around film and creative and creativity and art is like part of the art itself and so that's one of those reasons is after we had turned it off we were upstairs whispering we're like oh i wonder blah blah, blah. and oh wait i didn't remember and i guess when this happened we didn't know and what do you think about this like if you were to assume yes yeah. so i think that's why i kind of just appreciate the conversation as much as the film itself so absolutely Absolutely. Okay. So overall score. Overall, where should this yes. land on your cinema Q? Eight three. Six nine. <laughs> six point nine. That's good. This is good. This is good. Okay. Why um, six nine? 
So I rated it a 6.9 because I originally wrote down a higher score in all honesty because I was like, this is so good. Watch it. Um, but I think I ranked it so low because I started leaning into other films that I would recommend to people to watch. Hmm. And I mean, I've seen hundreds, if not thousands of movies. And this probably wouldn't make like it wouldn't make top 25. It wouldn't make top 50. That's it true. wouldn't make like maybe top 100. I really loved like I'm making a film that is at, you know, face value similar. So mm-hmm. I want it to be interesting. Um, but I started thinking of it in that way. And I was like, I really mm-hmm. liked it. But I think if they leaned a little more into the grittiness and not as much Nicholas Sparks-esque cliches, yeah. I would recommend it higher. Uh, and so I'm excited for a remake in 20 years, right? That maybe we will make. And, you know, something like that, where they lean a little heavier into that space. Um, but I want this to be honest about, like, where should this go? I don't think higher than 50 other movies, I would tell you. Okay. Maybe 40. I know? think of it a little differently, but I'm okay. glad you brought that up. Because for me, I was thinking, where should this land in someone's cinema queue as far as current films? Because this came out in the last year. I mean, I was about to talk about Citizen Kane next week. Okay, well, no, I was just saying, as far as, like, if they're thinking about, oh, all these movies came out in the last year, two years, what should I watch next? I was like, mm-hmm. I think it should be fairly high because of... We might need to talk about our own uh, process then. Yeah, well, I like I would, that we have a different I'd process. I'd suggest something from 2011 before I suggest this. Yeah, no, I like that we have a different process. I think it's just one of those, like, if you're interested, if you've heard the buzz, or mm-hmm. if you've already watched it and you love it... Yeah. And you want to rewatch something soon? I would say this could be one of those if you want that excitement again, or to yeah. share. And I love watching movies where I know the ending and no one else, like yeah. the other person you're watching, it doesn't. And so you're like, like you waiting can for see the... them. The the wheels turn yes. as they try to figure so it out. So for you know those reasons, I was like, don't spoil it for your friends. It got me really excited in that regard. But yeah. you're right. I mean, out of all films of all time. Yeah. I don't think it was going to be a super, super high one, but it did surprise me quite a bit. And I it did it. surprise me, but I mean, I want this podcast to be like, what should you watch next? 6.9 is a respectable score. but For some. It's not, you said what, 8? 8.3. 8.3? I think 8.5. 8.5. I forgot my and score. So totally fine. Obviously from this podcast, you can know that this was good. And you can know it's that when I film. say something is yeah. good, that's... She'd, Me. <laughs> she'd give the Kardashians, you know, show both a negative two and a 12 on this scale because Nar. it's addictable and a good background show, but also... It's it's not... not so, yeah. We depth get is a zero. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, oh again, gosh. it comes back to your opinion. You may or may not love it. You have a brain. And Use I, it. I loved this film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've talked about it more than other films recently, but I still want to give it just a conservative score of 6.9. On some days it might be a seven something, on some days it might be a five something. I think I get emotionally invested in like what's happening now. And if we watch something recently, and, I'm like, yes. But then yeah. in 10 months, I'll be like, what? Yeah, yeah. And there, <laughs> You have a better, like more level head of uh, scoring things. Kind of just like an overall score, yeah. not getting caught up in the moment. Um, you, I get caught up like, in the I, moment. If I had to rate this right after I watched it, I'd be like eight, six, right? Um, but good. I think after I've kind of come down off of cloud nine of... and. Honestly, we have to speak to that too, of like the how it makes you feel immediately afterwards. That's true. And we can talk about that at some point. But I think long lasting standing of sitting back and like reflecting, I was like, good film, absolutely go watch it. Uh, but I would recommend these three films first if you have, if you want something better. Mood. So good All right. film. And next time on Cinema Q, everyone, we are going to actually have a treat for you. 
This is a special, special episode near and dear to our hearts. And I'm so glad it is making it up to the like beginnings of this podcast. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, ready? Yes. Life source. What is it? What is life source? Why have you never heard of it? (laughs) Let us tell you. Actually, by the time this comes out, hopefully you have. So, life source is so near and dear to our hearts because it is a short film created by yours truly. So, Q Media this past year competed in a film festival where in 48 hours we had to, we drew a genre out of a hat. Uh, We had a specific character line of dialogue and prop that we were required to use. And we had 48 hours to write, shoot, edit, and completely produce a four to seven minute short film. Fondly known as the 48 hour film competition. You may have heard of it. 48 hour film project. It's a world. Okay. It's a worldwide competition. Worldwide. This year, 135 cities competed. Yes. Ian has competed in this for many Many years. Many years. Probably five or six years. And this was the first year I got to be a part of the team. And and it was really, really awesome. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I forgot about that. I think the last time I just brought you like a snack. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Um, this was such a fun year and... So everyone, we actually won our city in 2022. And this March in 2023, so actually by the time this airs, we will have already gone to Filmapalooza in Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles! To show our film Life Source against the other 134 winners of every other city across the world in an international competition. And with our film Life Source, we won Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Original Music, Audience Choice, Best Overall Film, and Best Supporting Actress for THE India Jade McHugh. Oh, that's me! And so we won tons of awards. This is the first time that we have ever done something like this in the 48. Y'all, it was and fun. it is. Guys, we think it's good. I mean, I wrote it with a, a team of fellow writers. We had I, idea people, like India, you came in on that conversation. And we brought some really cool local talent, a wardrobe, hair and makeup person. Absolutely. We had a, uh, an incredible cinematographer from yes, Cleveland, from an assistant Cleveland. director, some and really so, great PAs. We can't give away too much. No, ah! we can talk about this Okay, more. okay. We'll talk but, about it later. <laughs> but overall, we were talking about Life Source, and we are going to bring on a special, special guest, the fellow co-star. I, I call both of them the lead actress because honestly, we didn't know if India or this woman was the lead because they both play such important equal roles in this film but her name is taylor rice taylor abigail rice taylor look abigail her up. rice so look her up she is a you phenomenal may recognize actress her. Uh, and her husband created the music we'll get into all of that but we will have taylor on this as our first special guest on cinema q and we will be talking about our award-winning film life source it is seven minutes long and we are going to make a 40 minute podcast so you have absolutely no excuse to not watch it by the time we get to this next episode it's only seven minutes you can find it right here on the youtube channel Uh, we will link it or if you're listening in the podcast we'll have it in the show notes Mm. it'll be great and give us your critiques but also remember this was made in 48 hours from writing to editing to submission so uh watch the film get ready for us to talk about life source next week all right yep thank you for joining us at cinema q and we will catch you next time love you guys Bye. bye